Hi, everyone. This is the Love Your Career podcast. I'm Lauren Severus, CEO of Love Recruitment and Love Care Recruitment. And the aim of this podcast is simple. We want to give you the best advice from industry professionals to help you grow and love your career. We want companies to be able to take guidance on improving their recruitment process and for individuals to pick up knowledge, hints, tips of how to progress their career. We do this by letting our guests tell their stories. Thank you for listening. Truly, we hope you learn to love your career. Today's guest is a fantastic uh, Sophie Lawler, CEO of Total Fitness. Sophie's had a fantastic career uh, in this industry, working her way through from sales and club management, regional management um, at Fitness First, managing at a very senior level, uh, their strategy and their direction as a business and their sale, to now to then move across into the CEO role for Total Fitness. And we're really lucky to be able to get, have her as a guest today and get her insight. We hope you enjoy. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us on the Love Your Career podcast. You're welcome. Never been to this bit of London before, so it's lovely. Uh, it's so nice. We've been here for about five years or so now. It's um, really oh, it's great. So lucky to have you. I'm so, so happy to have someone that's had your journey and experience level on the podcast because I know how much value you're going to add to people listening to this, both businesses and people looking for jobs in the sector as well and who are in the industry. Um, Oh, don't overpromise. I might underdeliver. No, <laughs> don't set me up here. I have zero <laughs> doubt. One thing to start with, that's okay. Is you, you do. We, we spoke about just before we started recording about you've done a lot of press and podcasts, and you speak out for the industry quite a lot. Mm. Do you do you take a bit of um, almost self responsibility to do that to speak out for the industry? A hundred percent. Um, and I don't know where that's come from, and that's, that may be why you're asking, but I've got no idea where that's come from. I just think well, there's, there's, there's two things. I've always, um, I've always had a thing where I'll speak up for the underdog. I've always been horribly loyal to my friends and horribly loyal in sort of speaking up and speaking out when I see something that's wrong. Um, and it, <laughs> it hasn't always served me well. There's number one. And then number two, um, I, I've never had any media training um, and, and really didn't do much press pre-COVID at all. We didn't have time at Total Fitness, we were too busy. And then when the first lockdown happened and I was convinced that we would only be locked down for sort of a month to six weeks, I I'm, I'm naturally have quite a positive outlook. And I said to Casey, our head of brand development, who also heads up press, um, I said to Casey, right, I've been trying to think about how to use this time and what I can stretch into and what will make me really uncomfortable. And so just, you know, I've decided that if anything comes up where um, I, my natural answer is no, um, but the only reason I'm going to say no is just because I'm a bit scared of my pride being bruised, then I'm going to say yes. And so this is relevant for you, Casey, because if anybody wants to talk to me from a press perspective, it just so happens that until the end of lockdown, I'll say yes. And little did I know that lockdown is going to last months. And she would, you know, we would come up with so many press opportunities that I told her that I'd say yes to. So she never even asked me. She just said, this is happening. It's really funny you mentioned that. So I, I had linked those two things together that you hadn't done much before COVID. So obviously you've done so much since, you are 
a very recognisable face from our industry now. Mm. I always thought you kind of had always done that ever since you kind of joined CF really. No, never. I, um, I'd never spoken publicly or to a big group of people until um, week three of my chief executive role at, at Total Fitness. And I was sitting with some of my senior leadership team members and it just so happened that that particular week we were hosting the general managers and the fitness managers at um, our support centre in Wilmslow. And the head of IT at the time said, oh, well, if we need to communicate all this stuff, are you going to go and do a stand-up? Because we've got a load of people coming. We've got the general managers here and the, and the fitness managers. And, and, and under the weight of pressure of this leadership team who thought that I was there with all of the answers, just said, all right then. Oh, and, okay. and you know those days were so fast and furious I had no no time to think about anything really so I just piled in and did it and that was the first time that I spoke in front of a group of people you embraced it and went for it straight away I had no choice, you had no choice. <laughs> but there you no choice but you suddenly then presented with a point where you did have a choice with the press stuff so I'm putting the, I'm putting the thread of this quite early yeah uh, mm -hmm. I thought it was gonna be a short point but it's clearly quite a long one but you, was that because you almost you realised on the other side of making those hard decisions about putting yourself in, a, in an uncomfortable position? That's where the good is. Um, that's where the progress is. Yeah. So I um, did a did some sort of press during lockdown with my old university actually, who um, had cottoned on that was a chief executive because my one of my old tutors had spied me on. Um, Sky Business live with Ian King and gave me a shout and said hey so will you come and do some stuff about uh, Kiel University because now you're a chief executive which is a very different route to the normal path that our sociology students go down I said sure thing and she was talking to me about it and because she's uh, an old tutor of mine and it's she feels like a very sort of safe person to speak to we were talking about my journey through university and she said well you know what what was it for you and why was this university so special and I said it was a really really special place for me because it just felt really safe and I sort of developed this sort of um, idea for myself that has served me really well over my career actually which was in this space I can sort of think about and explore where my edges are and then I can make a choice whether or not to step over them or not, but I felt that I could only really do it in this wonderful sort of space of learning on top of this hill um, in the village of Kiel, which is where this university is. It's a campus university. And she said, oh my, that's just wonderful. Say more about that. And that was it really. I was just like, I've always sort of thought about well, where are my edges mm. of comfort? And I don't have to jump over them, but, but why wouldn't I? And that's been it. Find your edges and then make a choice. Mm. Have you, we, again, before we start um, recording, we, we had a really brief conversation on books, which we are going to come back to in more depth. But have you ever read the book, The Obstacle, the Obstacle is the Way? No. You would, it talks a, quite a bit about that. It's a really, really great book where every time you're in your life, if something seems, seems tough or challenging, where the obstacle is, that's what you go towards. Not, not go towards, but that's what you charge towards. Because on the other side of that is everything that you want then to happen. The obstacle is what you go towards. So mm. Stoicism, etc. Yeah. Uh, it's by a book by, by Ryan Holiday. And I've, I read that about two years ago, and I've really built that into us, our senior team here as well. They're really going towards those challenging paths. So I thought that's what you were, yeah. you were talking about. Yes, I agree. But no, I haven't read that book. Ryan Holiday rings a bell. I think I've read something else of his. He's an ego is the enemy as well. And uh, discipline is destiny. He's, he's writes a lot about stoicism. 
that's that's where it rings about. He does the Daily Stoic. Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the yeah. book that I know him from. Um, that's a, a lovely book. It's by yeah. my bedside. Um, and mine too. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to each day at the moment. I think there's. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sort of a big subscriber of that, but I'm I'm often quite careful about how I talk about it because when you're talking about it from sort of the the chief executive seat, which is job title I hate, it sounds um sounds really punchy and like it's really hard and like you, you have to take these massive leaps and you know that that runs the risk of terrifying people, particularly women, and so I'm I'm quite I'm quite careful about when and where to talk about that in sort of detail because I'm a big believer that those, those sort of things that those obstacles even obstacles quite a tough word isn't it it sounds really hard you've got to be careful just thinking about what is sort of more um for people because it may be really different and this is something that I've learned to love in my journey with Total Fitness. So I'm a master leadership trainer. I deliver the leadership program into the, into the business and it's a very personal program. But what I've learned to understand is um, what more is for people, what that obstacle to use that word might be, could be really, really different. It could be, I can't tell my partner that I love them. I've just never been able to, okay that's really interesting why and and that can be so unlocking for people it doesn't have to be well i've never done press before and then all of a sudden you've got radio 4 phoning you for live response on the furlough announcement which is my first one it doesn't have to be that i mean that sounds like an obstacle right mm. but the equivalent for somebody else is just as powerful on something like i've never been able to tell my husband that i love him do you see what i mean so I i'm do, quite absolutely i'm quite careful about how I sort of talk about that and use it because that's just as important and just as scary to somebody than you know picking up the phone to Ian King on Sky News. Wow, thank you for that early on. That was amazing. Um, let's come back to the podcast. The podcast is called Love Your Career. Yeah. Sophie, have you loved your career so far? I love my career right now. So okay. yes, a hundred percent. Particularly the last four years, okay. and I think. A career is sort of like a like accumulation of effort, isn't it? And so you look back at it through the lens that you're in sort of at the moment. So I adore my job at the moment and I adore Total Fitness and I adore the team and everything that we've managed to create and achieve together. Um, and an awful lot of that is in the inside of the business, not the outside. Yes. So I love all of that, but I would equally be 100% lying if I said that I've enjoyed every day of my career and if I said that, you know, I've never got out of bed dreading work and I've never had real personal difficulties in a team or I'd be 100% lying. But have I absolutely loved my career? Yeah, 100%. I'm really proud of it. Okay. So it's Paul the Third on both of those two things. So <laughs> <laughs> your face changed so quickly. That was so funny. You look really scared all of a sudden. Um, Surely everyone has a career like that, though. They have those down points. And do you look back at the points maybe where you were in those times as highly valuable now? Do they help shape the fact that where you've got to the point now, the last four years that you love, it's a, from a basic level, you appreciate them more, but those experiences shaped you as a leader, as a person? I guess 
the, the useful answer and what everybody wants to hear is, yeah, everything's been really useful. It's brought me until this point and I do subscribe to that. I'm gonna love this answer, aren't I? But I'd be lying if I said yeah. that was really useful, that awful point. No, that was just unnecessary and, and okay. unpleasant. So um, no, not all of it has been useful. Okay. Some of it's been unnecessary. Um, and some of my behaviour has been unnecessary and unhelpful as well, particularly the way I talk to myself and I give myself a hard time, particularly historically. So I subscribe to the theory that, you know, you're the product of all of your experiences in your environment. And I subscribe to the theory that, you know, it's all valuable in some way, but I, I, I just can't hand on heart say, oh yes, that was a wonderful part of Because <laughs> it really wasn't at the time. And when I look back at it, it really wasn't either. Are there any, I don't obviously need to go into specifics, but are there any learnings from, from that time, however unpleasant you think people listening to us might be in a similar situation, can take any learnings from that you would pass on at this point? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it, do, it does make sense. I think... But it may not be useful in that, you, you know, for for all that I love a cuddle, I'm also quite honest in that, you know, life is hard, forging a career is hard, it's not all particularly easy, and that's cool. And so I make no sort of excuses for that. Everything's not gravy all the time, and and we do people a disservice if we you know, promise that it's going to be. Okay, let's get to some advice then. So in terms of, from someone who's been in your position, had the career journey that you've had. Actually, before we jump into it, do you mind just going through a little bit about your journey you've had so far, talking a little bit about your career so far? That's possibly a good idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll keep it as brief as I possibly can. So, uh, but with relevance to the, the brilliant business that I'm chief exec of now, which is Total Fitness. So I came out of university having studied politics. I did a master's degree in politics in the city of Manchester and um, sort of fell out of university needing to do some work and was a fitness coach at the time at a local authority leisure centre. And so I learned to sell memberships because you can make a lot of commission and I just needed something um, immediately. And I found out that I was pretty good at selling stuff. And um, Total Fitness was opening clubs left, right and centre at that particular time, um, not far from the local authority operators that I was working in. And I just sort of said, well, I'm going to go sell myself to those guys. So off, off I went um, and got a job as sales manager in uh, the Walton site and um, hated it and sort of ground it out for 18 months um, within that time, was promoted to sales manager and then moved to the, to the biggest club, Wilmslow, which is the biggest club in Europe. Mm. Uh, it's quite a monster. Um, managed to do six, seven months there and just ran out of steam. Um, so um, packed my bags and moved to Edinburgh. Uh, tried to get out of the fitness industry because I thought that's not all it, you know, promised to be I love fitness and this is yeah. not it um, but it fell into the hands of a recruitment consultant and of course you know at, at that particular time they were just sort of desperate to position me back in the fitness industry took a job for fitness first at their smallest club in the UK which is an underground club which is you know the size of a postage stamp and the majority of that club was corridor um, and 
took a job as sales manager, was general manager three weeks later. Um, and and then sort of stayed in the fitness industry because I had this amazing manager called Mark who um, runs the Fitness First business still, but out in Thailand. Yeah. And um, really started to think about just uh, business. I was like, oh, never thought about this before. This is really interesting. And um, at, at that time, that particular club, I could see, um, I have a brain for sort of problem solving and, and um, and I could see that there was a bigger problem with this particular club and it was the market position and the pricing and, and you know, there was just something structurally wrong with it. So I wrote this paper just in my spare time and sent it to Mark. And, it, you know, it went in somebody's bottom drawer somewhere. Anyway, in, you know, I did a stint at Edinburgh um, for a year. Got this phone call from Mike Balfour on Christmas Eve. Um, at my home in Middlesbrough where I'd gone home to see my parents for Christmas and frightfully uh, well-to-do gentleman always wore a velvet jacket with gold buttons in my mind um, <laughs> and he phoned me at home and I took it on a landline the old landlines that you, where you couldn't walk around so I was in the kitchen and he said um, so Sophie I've read this paper of yours it's made its way to my desk um, next year we're gonna spend this amount of money on the Edinburgh Club and we're going to reposition it to an upper middle market club just as you suggest and 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 I was like oh this is amazing uh, so that happened and then I went to be a general manager in Dundee and then I moved back to England um, and was a general manager in a couple of their central clubs um, fell out of love with fitness first accepted a job at Waitrose um, but uh, a new chief operating officer was arriving in the UK and uh, gave me a call one night on my drive home from Telford Club and said, so I hear you've resigned and, you know, um, but we're looking for talent down at the marketing team. I've read this paper that you wrote that Mike Balfour looked at, you know, in 2003. Uh, it's been sitting in somebody's desk somewhere. Do you want to... Still you, circling around. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got some talent. Do you want to come do a secondment yeah. in pool. Um, and that was the start of my sort of return and love of the fitness industry. Cause I, then I went to central support functions, marketing manager, central operations manager, central operations director. Um, so it was appointed to the board to turn it around. Sold the business to DW Fitness First, went to the global team as strategy and programming director, sold all the rest of the assets apart from Germany, um, took a break, chief executive to Old Fitness. Wow. I love the depth you went to in the early years. <laughs> it was so formative. And I think this is, this is my point about, you know what, you've just got to do the hard yards. Absolutely. Every guest we've had on so far has said the same thing. It's not, it's not a cliche, but it's the truth. It's, it, it's, that's where you learn. That's where you've got to work hard. That's where you prove yourself. That's when you earn your stripes in many, many ways. You've just got to do the hard yards. I'm a massive believer in meritocracy. Yeah. You just, I, I'm just a big believer that when you put in the effort in the right sort of way, it will be recognised. You need the right sort of leadership around you for that to come true. And so there's a level of choice in there about the kind of leadership that you work for. Um, but I, yeah. So there's clearly a lesson there for people who are potentially maybe starting out, maybe in their first one or look at that first management role, there's clearly a lesson there. Is there anything else you'd maybe pass on to that group of person? Um, there's no luck, there's hard work. It's sort of one of my, one of my phrases, but that, that sort of we've already talked around. I think there's a, there's a massive point around just being a bit humble. Um, and I was not enough humble. I was not humble enough. There was a number of times, you know, I'd come out of university with a master's degree and I thought I was going to go march into number 10 Downing Street. 
and I wasn't I was going to sell memberships um, in a health club and because I was just a bit proud and not humble enough there was a number of times where I just didn't listen enough and didn't ask enough questions and I think um, I think that held me back in some ways so you know a bit of humility okay what about at the other, almost the higher end of the spectrum so you've you've progressed so far and you're now in I think we used the phrase the big chair earlier <laughs> what advice could you give to people who are maybe in that one or two levels below that looking to look into that role going oh, I would love to get that position either your advice around that or maybe some insight into that role um well I've learned a lot over the last four and a half years an awful lot and I mean you know the last few years have been so tumultuous it's mm. probably been the best um, first chief exec rodeo possible but I think um, what I would say is it, it's almost a build on that sort of latter idea because what I have learned is that stepping into a larger leadership role is like it's humility on steroids it's like the be all and end all it's humility on steroids and um, I think I almost sort of disappointed everybody when I arrived at, uh, at TF because I had a reputation for doing an awful lot of work in middle market health club businesses um, through my days at Fitness First in the different countries I worked in. And I, I rocked up and I said, I am got the answers. Part of that was fear, I must admit. Um, and, and part of that was a lack of experience leading other people and not wanting to tell other people. And, you know that's not the right approach anyway but it, you have to get really really comfortable even when you think you know the answer with taking a step back taking a very humble approach um, being honest when you don't know the answers and listening to other people because um, it's the, the one thing about leadership at senior levels is it's just not about you it's just not about you at all and and that's a really interesting thing to learn uh, particularly when you've been in a doing job and I was in doing jobs a lot of the time yeah. and I was a very effective doer um, and I liked doing uh, but moving into a role where you are accountable for everything but responsible for nothing takes an awful lot of humility um, so it's kind of like a build on the early career advice Today's podcast is sponsored by Share the Love. Share the Love is our way of making a difference. For every placement we make with love recruitment or love care recruitment, we plant 50 trees. To find out more, head to our Share the Love section of one of our websites. So jump into things that have influenced you or people that have influenced you. I guess it's kind of a two-pronged question, really. First one, have you had a mentor or somebody to help influence you or have you more got maybe more information in your terms of your journey or development from from books of reading podcasts things like that where's the influence come on you well and i should say first of all i think the, the role of any sort of senior leader is to um uh, listen and take inspiration mm. um and that's that's listening to the market it's listening to other people it's listening to your competitors you know, it, but it's all taking inspiration and distilling things that are relevant for your teams and then sharing. So it, it is a 
101 requirement for any leader to continue learning and to take inspiration. Yeah. Um, and so, be it people or books, it's, you know, one of the same thing to me. It's more people the realisation you have to keep learning, always. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's an awful lot, and so I'll spend a, a dedicate an awful lot of time to that. Um, in terms of people, I'm influenced in some way by everybody that I, I, yeah. that I work with, and I take that role seriously as well, because not only do people influence you, you influence them whenever you're in an interaction. So that's very important. Um, I, I haven't had a mentor. Um, we were talking off, offline about this earlier. I haven't had a mentor um, until recently. My, my, I appointed a chairman when I arrived at Total Fitness and, and, and he, I would consider him to be a, a, a mentor and very influential for me. Um, and then in terms of books, um, so you asked me about books. I read a lot. That's something to say. I read an awful lot. And I think it's a big reason for my progression, actually, as part of my learning and, and commitment to develop myself and bring people on the journey. Um, me and my other half in particular, we're regular gifters of books. I mean, I probably gift books more than I read them. I've gifted four already this month. And nice. what, what, I can't even remember what day in the month we're at. Um, and I things that I've read recently that have been really influential, but these are the things that I've only read in the last month, actually, is the rate at which I consume books. Um, How to Be Heard by Julian Treasure is an amazing book for understanding the power of speaking and listening, which is exceptionally important for um, leadership roles and any sort of people uh, roles. I recently gifted, but didn't read The Life-Changing Magic of um, Not Giving a Fuck by Sarah Knight, which is just about you know taking ownership of, of your life, really. Yeah. Um, Why Men Win at Work uh, by Jill Collins was a, a book that I read over Christmas, which was brilliant. And somebody mentioned it to me, and the, the title of the book made me immediately go, I don't want to read that at all. I don't like that nature of the, the gender and diversity debate. But it was a sensational read and really empowering and wow. very, very thought provoking. Um, and then a left field one I'm re- that I'm still reading at the moment is called Communicating with Kids by Stephanie Davis, which is, is about communicating with children, but it, it's actually about communicating in life generally and finding the right balance between sort of telling and consulting, if you mm. like. Craig spoke about that a lot in his podcast as well, about everyone should work with children and communicate with children because there's, there's an honesty to it, there's a rawness to it. And I think that's a really interesting one. Mm. So off of one of those, can you almost pinpoint how you've, or let me talk more in theory if you don't mind. How do you take learnings from books that you read, the inspiring memories you have from books that you read, then, to then implement it into your work life or personal life? What's your, what's your machine for that? Oh my, like literally how do I do it? Yeah. I, well, I my le- my learning style is read and write yeah. and then talk. Okay. Um, so I will take notes, always take notes, um, and then talk about them and see if they resonate and see if they bed in. Um, and then I take a lot of inspiration from books that help uh, sort of frame narrative that I'm thinking about for the business. So one that I read is called Be More Pirate by. Uh, Sam Holland and it's absolutely brilliant. It's four or five principles of being more pirate um, and it built a whole narrative for Total Fitness about being more pirate and how we approach doing things and it's it's actually just a way of articulating things that we already do but it's just a really cool way of talking about it that people will remember and I think this is something about, you asked me about the machine, 
I'll consume a lot of material, read a lot of material, but it's when you find the sort of words and narrative that help you articulate something that's already in your brain. Yeah. We were chatting a bit about this earlier as well. Um, when I find those, it helps me connect two ideas together in a way that's relatable to other people. Absolutely, completely agree. And, and so that's a really important part of my leadership style and bringing people on a journey. Nice. I love, one of the things I love most about doing this podcast is obviously meeting great people, but it expands my reading list. <laughs> and being more pirate has absolutely made that reading list immediately. Oh, it's brilliant. In terms of some specifics, in terms of helping people on their career journey, what would, do you have an interview tip that you can pass on to maybe just people who are going to go for an interview tomorrow or maybe think about interviewing with, 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 with Total Fitness? What, what would be an interview tip you'd pass on to a candidate at this point? Oh, to a candidate. Um, it's, I mean, it's important to say that I haven't actually done many interviews in my life. Um, there's been some pivotal ones, but more recently when you get to very senior positions, um, it's a bit different. Mm. So that's important to say. But I, I think what I can say to candidates is, number one, you've got to try and look past what I call the hygiene factors. And the hygiene factors are sort of pay and rations, job title, the things that you would use to inform a job search. You've got to try and look past that because an interview is a show. It's the most artificial environment. And in fact, actually, it's the worst environment within which to try and choose a long-term working relationship, isn't it? So you've got to try and sort of look past the sort of basic factors and try, it is your job as a candidate, to try and uncover the sort of bigger promise that that employer is trying to mm. make to you and really uncover it and then really ask yourself is is that the sort of culture and environment that i want to go and work in because it's your duty to that employer to make a good decision mm. that you're going to stick with so you have a role as a candidate it's mm. not just about the interviewer if that makes sense so you have a role to help to reveal that by asking the right questions doing your own research yeah. to see past that advert, past that JD, what's actually, what's this really about almost. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a simple question to ask of your interviewer is just around about employee promise. What is, what is your employee promise? Now, if automatically there's a ream of benefits that come out, well, we have this maternity pay, this sick pay, this birthday treat, um, then that's benefits. It's not. A, it's not a promise. So you've got. You've got to go again and again and again. You know what's unique and what, what are you going to promise me about my journey with you? Because I am going to give you all of this. So what? What, what do I get in return? And then it's important to know. And what else? What's not wonderful about working for X organisation? Because that's very important as well. You've got to do your diligence because, as I said earlier, no job is roses. Uh, and you've got to really understand the rough with the smooth so that you're ready for it because, you know, no job is roses. This Absolutely. Is, this is life. So you've got a real, um, you've got a real duty of care as a, as a candidate and an important role. And then the other side of that, we were touched on a little bit in that conversation already, but in terms of the employer, the employers, mm -hmm. the tips for them, how important, and I'm not putting words in your mouth whatsoever, you can, you can move away from the point if you want to, but how important is getting the narrative piece right as an employer as a business when you're when you're trying to attract the best talent how important is it to get that element right 
are really important. Okay. Because if you don't know what you're promising your employees, then, you know, in what, put it this way, in what relationship would you ever enter into a relationship without being very clear about what it's like, but in a very short way, what's your Tinder profile? But it's got to be honest, no filters. Do you see what I mean? You've yeah. got to be very, very clear about that. And you've got to be honest, as I said with the candidate yeah. side of things, you've got to be honest, what's not so great? Yeah. What's great, but what's not so great? Uh, and the great has to outweigh the not so great. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you mind talking a bit about the, the, the TF side of it? Would you, would you mind talking a bit about that? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we've done loads of work on what we call our employee promise or uh, employee value proposition. Um, and it's important to say that we've been working on it since I arrived, but we, we haven't um, articulated it to people until now. And there's a good reason why. So we started work on our sort of culture and our values and our behaviours and our leadership philosophy and our coaching philosophy. Um, a long time ago delayed for a number of reasons or you know it's, it's had some speed bumps but these these sort of focuses of ours have always stayed true until the point where um, at about year three we had something or we have something at Total Fitness that's really it feels really different when you come and work at TF there's just a feeling there's just a way we do things but it's very hard to articulate mm. um, and so we did some work recently and we, we engaged a third party actually to help us try and articulate what it was um, and they did loads of cool stuff that we talked to candidates in the market we talked to people that had left our business people that had never thought about our business we talked to recruiters we talked to press we talked about all kinds of people about you know what do you what do you think about total fitness until we could actually say what's special about us and so we have a promise nice. that we can make to people and the, the promise that we make to employees is more is possible and there's there's a way that we talk about it which is exceptionally honest um, in that you know we will do our best to sort of liberate you from whatever's holding you back whatever it is um, come on the journey with us but by the way it's very difficult we have a lot of fun on the way but by god we roll our sleeves up so there's a quid quid pro quo in it nice so in terms of how how difficult is it to find great people in the current climate of, of work are you finding it harder for example now than maybe before covid or even in, back in the first days is that harder to find great people um, I, I mean I think it's harder I do think it's harder um, I must admit though when I sort of sit around with sort of either industry peers or chief executive peers and I'm, I'm you know I'm in a, a big network of, of chief executives and we go for dinner fairly regularly and at one point there was loads of chat about the great resignation and 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 we can't hire anybody and it's a complete disaster and I must admit Lawrence I did sit there and think oh I, am I doing something wrong am I not asking the right questions because this doesn't appear to be the, the scale of challenge that people are articulating to me um, and that's not to say that it's not harder because it is but we're not we're not struggling in the way that I I hear from the business network generally why that is i don't know i you know i could say it's because of all the work that we've done on, on oh. culture our retention remains really 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 good and our engagement levels remain really really good but we're not 
mm, it's not my burning issue 101 if you like it's not up there on the worry list you've got interviews um coming up um mm -hmm. theory, what's in your share how do you prepare so if you're interviewing and if a new um member of your senior team how do you prepare for an interview how do i prepare to interview somebody yes, exactly um i don't read their cv okay so that's number one I don't do. So we, we employ the grandfather principle. So unless it's a member of my direct team, um, I don't get involved until the latter stages. So I firmly trust that, you know, the candidates that I have the pleasure of chatting to, uh, you know, are competent functionally. And so I do my very best not to prepare because what I'm trying to understand, so if I take for granted that they're competent and their knowledge is good, what I'm really trying to understand is how do you think about the world? Because your knowledge might be great right now, but knowledge is fixed in time, right? And things change. So what I really try and understand is how do you think about the world? How do you make decisions? Um, and do you know what? Can I just have a good chat? So I, do, I actually do very little preparation. Now, if there is any preparation to be done, I do value psychometrics at interview because um, as I said earlier, interviews are just a massively superficial fake show, aren't they? And so it's quite difficult to get mm. sort of behind the mask and behind the facade and behind the persona, whereas really solid psychometrics, particularly if it's a senior appointment, are worth investing in because it gives you like a common common ground and, you know, the mask is on the floor by then. Absolutely. And we use Gallup Strengths um, at Total Fitness. We, we've built an entire signature program around it. And that's just a brilliant starting point because you're not, psychometrics can terrify people because it, it's often about, you know, pointing at what you're less good at, whereas Gallup Strengths just talks about, you know, tell me how you're brilliant. If that has a, a huge impact for you from a senior level, do you think there'll come a point where a version of that will then be at club level? We do it at club level you too. You do that as well? Yeah, Amazing. yeah, yeah. Not necessarily interview yeah. um, stage, but, um, management level up so that's HOD level up at, at club level we've all invested in these amazing um, psychometric profiles for right. them the, the book I remember commending for you that sat down as well principles very dialy there's a whole section in there talking about that as well and on the app that it has as well you can do a version of a personality test and I did it recently it's very interesting mm. we'll talk about that later <laughs> um, in terms of um, as we come to start a new year are you the sort of person that sets New Year's resolutions or the way the question I'd rather ask about it is do you goal set and if you do how do you do that no I don't New Year's resolutions or goal set no okay I don't um I it's you it, see with New Year it's a little bit you know how I think about Christmas I don't like being organized and sort of being organized by somebody else and saying you know fun happens on the 25th of December <laughs> I don't like this idea that I can only goal set on the 1st of January and you know what I don't I don't goal set which I think people find a bit of a surprise for somebody that's had a an interesting career and is a senior senior level um, I visualize so and have a view of how I would like life to feel nice um, and then somehow I just have this phrase in me that water finds its way and it will just find its way if I you know focus on the right things it'll just find its way and I also find it a little bit too defining to be really specific about goals you know life doesn't deliver in that way mm. um, 
but it will deliver in a sort of shape mm. if you will it last couple of questions extension of what you've just said life delivering away when you were 2021 20, when you first left your politics degree and started working yeah where you are now at the time that you are now how close are you to that that you thought you'd be at that age do you see what i mean um, I had no idea where yeah. I was going to be at the age of 44 when I was 21. I, I, absolutely none. I can't even tell you what I was thinking. I, it was just, you know, one foot in front of the other. I had bills yeah. to pay. So I'm not sure I can answer that. That's fine. Um, and, you know, even, you know, six years ago, I can remember I was told that I hadn't, I was told, um, it was indicated that I did not have the capacity to lead others and my commercial acumen was low. Um, and, and so I, I just never sort of forecast out into the future. I just didn't. Water finds its way. I love that. If there's what you've covered so many things, I think both businesses um, from points of the narrative, etc., can take away and people looking for work can take away at all different levels. If there was one thing that you'd want people to take away from, you say right in this, everything you covered, what's the one thing? You want people to make a note of right now on their pads to know they've just taken from you. Um, we haven't covered it thus far, actually. But what I would say is, know yourself. Okay. I mean, really know yourself. You're never finished until you do some level of self-reflection. Some people do it with a mentor or a therapist or just through reading, like I do. Know yourself. Listen to your mind really listen to it because unless you know yourself you just you're just not going to get anywhere in life generally thank you so much for your time you're answers welcome. passion book recommendations today <laughs> it's an absolute joy having you um thank you so much and uh speak soon you're welcome i love a chat What a fantastic conversation that was with a true industry leader. And I genuinely loved it. As is tradition, here are my three key takeaways. There's obviously so much more, but here are my three key takeaways. The first one, when um, Sophie described being a CEO as being humility on steroids. Um, and that just really resonated with me. Maybe smile, maybe write it down during the course of the conversation. Essentially, always listening, always learning being really humble and showing that humility as as a ceo is so so important essentially i think her words were you don't know everything and that's a really important lesson at all levels but really interesting for people to hear that even a ceo feels like that as well my second point was kind of what seemed to be her theory of life almost with water finds its way i did find it interesting when she said um you might find it interesting i don't go all set and i and i certainly did so my perception was probably most people at that level would but sophie doesn't um uh, she has a faith that water will find its way and uh her i guess her process and her structures and her attitude and how she treats people um would enable that to happen which i thought was really interesting and quite thought-provoking for, my, for myself first part was know yourself which kind of ties those two things together i think sophie knows what she is she knows how good she is she knows what she brings to the table and that was a really interesting concept to finish with um and people can apply that to themselves um eve spoke about a little bit about looking around the room on her podcast and other people have as well it's knowing what your strengths are and then realizing that in turn what other people's are as well so 
those are my takeaways i uh, hope you re- hope you loved love your career podcast and we'll see you next time this is the love your career podcast the point of this podcast is simple listen to leaders their stories and improve your career